leader people need to be able to think, speak, and act without self-restraint. As an academic scientist, I have had the privilege of working with prescient giants in the field, such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Zev Zelenko, Dr. Joseph Ladapo, and Dr. Harvey Reich. This is America Out Loud Talk Radio. Welcome to my Liberty Hour. I am Dr. Paul Alexander. Hello. Once again, you're listening to the Dr. Paul Alexander Liberty Hour on America Out Loud Radio Network. We are spreading truth and accurate information to Americans and anyone willing to listen. I'm joined by really sage giants, wonderfully skilled, talented, American-loving people like Dr. Harvey Reich, who has his own show, Dr. Peter McCullough, who has his own show, Dr. Tom Renz, Mr. Tom Renz, um, also uh, the Bregans and these folk. And, you know, for us to be in company and to be allowed onto this program by, by uh, Malcolm, <clears throat> it's a remarkable, remarkable uh, gesture on his part, and I want to thank him openly. Look, we are in a major, major battle here. This is for the heart and soul of America. This fight really in the beginning with the COVID fraud, COVID pandemic, fraud, it was a hoax. It was never a pandemic. It's really about a fight for our liberties and our freedoms. So that's why calling it the Liberty Hour is really great because, because that's what I'm speaking to. You know, <clears throat> in this pandemic, we lost a, a few people, some people at the beginning. We lost some people due to this influenza type, type illness, which I'll talk about. But we lost most of our people due to the lockdowns and the collateral damage and how they were managing the medical the hospital system. And what we also lost is our liberties and freedoms. Because as you have seen, we have dark forces in America, very dark, doing everything they can to hollow out America and destroy her. America is in trouble. America is in trouble because of these dark leftist, rhino, deep state, legacy media, malfeasance, I call them. They are trying to take America down. And they're using other countries who have the intention of ruling America. You might find it's, it's, it's hard what I'm saying right now. But those countries are not playing for second place. They want in some future world, a semblance of this world, that if you as an American living in America, that you will be working for them, almost enslaved to them. <clears throat> that is a fact. And they use this COVID. This fraud created pandemic to eviscerate your freedoms and take it. And they did. <clears throat> and now we have to get it back. And any government, any people who get into power will try to accrue more power. It's a basic, basic human condition, whether at a human level or at a group level or at a societal level, the governmental level. And once they accrue power, they want more. And they will never, ever relinquish it, ever. You can't show me one example where any government at any level, anyone has accrued power and taken power, and then they give it back to you naturally and normally, <clears throat> without a fight, without you taking it back. And in fact, I can't recollect 
a situation where power has been given back. <clears throat> they accrue that power and then they will maximally abuse it, which they have and they do and in our face. And the only way, you could never comply your way out of that situation. You can't say, okay, let me just follow along and things will be okay. Once you did that, they know they have your, their boot on your neck and then they're going to do you more and more wrong. That's the key. You cannot comply your way. You have to take the power back at the courts and at the ballot box. We must go to the courts and work them, change the configuration of the courts, get the right justices in there, get them there, and we use the ballot box. And we have to keep trying civilly and peacefully. I want to talk to you today about this pandemic because I want to be as crystal clear as I can be. <clears throat> President Trump was right. This pandemic was a hoax. It was a fraud. Not that, not that we didn't lose people, not that something came. I'm trying to tell you, and I want to say it this way. We did deal with a new virus, an influenza-like illness, a pathogen. And I would argue those who talk about it was not coronavirus and who have isolated it, look, we, we, we might have to accept that at this point. And in my argument, I'm saying coronaviruses have always existed for millions of years. Right now, we live societally with four, OC43, <clears throat> um, 229E. These are coronaviruses that if you check historically, some were actually at pandemic levels for hundreds of years ago. And over these centuries, they have become endemic and stabilized and get gotten to herd immunity, and they're very mild. And we live with them, and they're seasonal. And they cause common colds. So every year, you deal with these coronaviruses, as well as rhinovirus and RSV and all of these respiratory illnesses, viruses that cause influenza-like illnesses, common colds. Now, what I'm arguing is this, and you need to be able to go with me. And I'm going to, in successive shows, try to develop it further. But I'm trying to say, based on all that I know, <clears throat> all of my background training in evidence-based medicine, epidemiology, research methods, all of the research I've, I've read, all of the meetings I've been to. And remember, I worked for the federal government of Canada, as well as the United States government. So I've been places and seen things and heard things that I would say the general person has not. And in my role at the Trump administration, um, at HHS, as a senior pandemic advisor to the assistant secretary at HHS, um, I had the opportunity to work in the deepest part of COVID and everything that the government was doing. And I had access to people like Redfield, Hahn, Girard, all of these people. Some of them good, some of them malfeasant in my, from my point of view. What I'm trying to tell you is that <clears throat> I believe that following that Mina Cherry et al. paper, Mina Cherry, M-E-N-A-C-H-E-R-Y, it's a nature paper published in 2015. Ralph Barrick, I believe, was a senior author. That paper, if you look at the background of, of how it was supported, you can see it was NIH money, Fauci, Francis Collins, that supported that research. And they published in 2015, you can imagine then that the research was going on in 2014 and maybe even 2013. My argument is this. 
I want to be clear with how I'm thinking. And my thinking has evolved. I'm heavily worked in COVID. Just like people like Dr. Mike Eden, etc., Dr. Peter McCullough, we've had to have read the research every day. Every day, Dr. Peter Bregan, we read the research, all of the science. We listen to everything that we can. So our opinions and our thinking is heavily informed, heavily worked. I'm not going to apologize for that. And remember also, before I took that position at the World Health Organization, PAHO, as their pandemic advisor, remember, I worked for the Infectious Diseases Society of America in helping doctors and surgeons develop clinical practice guidelines. But <clears throat> during that time, um, when I worked at WHO, it was at the beginning of COVID where we had to figure out what exactly was going on to get our arms around it and to get some messaging. WHO's Pan-American Health initial response to COVID, actually, the office comprised two people, my director and me. So a lot of what was coming out was us trying to make sense of it. And I'll have to say this, by the time I got to the Trump administration, I was running while they were still trying to get their feet under them. I understood COVID, etc., in a way advanced manner. I'm trying to tell you that I believe with my evolved thinking and people that I've spoken to and the fact that I also did a stint at Johns Hopkins in biological warfare, bioterrorism. I had the good fortune of schooling under Don Dr. Donald Henderson, D.A. Henderson, who was instrumental in the eradication of smallpox, if you recall. Um, I think that this, an influenza-like illness, coronavirus, did get loose. I want you to listen to my words. I believe it got loose from multiple labs, not one. I believe the principal lab was not Wuhan, China. That was one. I believe the principal lab was in, in, somewhere in the United States. I believe so, strongly. You have to prove to me it was not. <clears throat> I believe it was multiple strains, multiple variants of coronavirus that was released. I do. I believe also that it was circulating for several years before February of 2020 when this reared its head in the United States. I believe it was circulating across the world. And the Diamond Princess told us that. That outbreak in the Diamond Princess, where of about 3,700 people on that ship, only about 19% got infected. The virus burned itself out at 19%. And there were only about eight to nine deaths far less than 1% mortality rate. Why? How come? How could a novel virus, if you said it was new, enter into a closed virgin population, like a ship closed? <clears throat> and uh, you are trying to tell me that, you are trying to tell me, you are trying to tell me that this was novel. It was not. Our immune systems saw this influenza-like illness. And um, it saw it before. Diamond Princess told us that. We had instances where husband and wife in a cabin, where the husband got hot COVID and died. And the wife did not even get infected. How come? So, <clears throat> again, more than one strain, more than one lab. I believe it was circulating for several years before 2020. 
so much so it was circulating very benign and mild. In other words, <clears throat> those people who were ginning up <clears throat> and juicing up the spike protein for whatever program, I believe it was a military-type program. I believe the United States Department of Defense, even though uh, Nixon had, had put a moratorium in 1969, I believe the Department of, of Defense continued their biological weapons research. And I don't fault them. <clears throat> Again, they would have had to, knowing that the Soviet Union and China and India and all these countries were. They would be foolish not to. So I believe if we get to find out, the definitely Department of Defense ran this. Remember, Operation Warp Speed was a 100% military operation. I know. I was there. My office was on the sixth floor of HHS. Operation Warp Speed headquarters ran one floor above me on the seventh. I've been there. I walked there. Heavily armed military, soldiers, army, and navy. Moderna, <clears throat> the vaccine company, operated also Mons F. Slowy on the seventh floor next to Operation Warp Speed. In fact, Mons F. Slowy, I believe, led Operation Warp Speed. What I'm trying to tell you is that <clears throat> I believe something got loose from what they were doing and it was circulating for several years and it was not lethal it was infectious but very low level benign and i believe it operated in the society and because it was an influenza like illness like influenza like illnesses <clears throat> that stumble upon granny or grandpa 8085 with underlying medical conditions they would get severely ill and they can die. Like how a common cold or the flu would kill granny. And it happens every day in nursing homes, assisted living, in your own private home. As we get older, there's immunosenescence, which is a declining of the immune system. And a simple cold, <clears throat> granny can develop bacterial pneumonia. And if she's not treated properly or aggressively enough, granny can die and rapidly. I believe... It's just, it's the same thing in the Spanish flu of 1917, 1918. What people don't understand is that virus didn't kill the 50 million people. The vast majority of people, the 50 million that died from the Spanish flu, if you read properly the science, they died from pneumonia, bacterial pneumonia, secondary to the viral infection. We didn't have antibiotics back then. So no, they would not have been able to survive, especially if you got advanced uh, pneumonia. That, that, that spilled over the bacteria into the, into the blood system and you got sepsis. And today we have antibiotics. So we could even treat very aggressive, very aggressive um, uh, pneumonia. Anyway, my point is that I believe that it was circulating and benign and that um, this was never a pandemic. In other words, I will end this session and I may take it back up in the subsequent session by saying this, so you understand where my mind is now. Had we done nothing, had we not imposed any lockdowns, any school closures, any mask mandates, any business closures, nothing, no shielding, nothing, no, not bring this COVID, this mRNA technology gene injection, no vaccine, had we done nothing, had we not devastatingly treated our elderly in the hospital system where we kill them with 
sedation, my dazzle and morphine, where we got them malnourished and dehydrated, where we pumped them with remdesivir, where we denied antibiotic treatment that they, they actually needed antibiotics, they had pneumonia, where we then intubated and we put them on the ventilator. That killed them. That's why many of them died. And they died because of denial of treatment where we shut the hospital beds down, only making it open to COVID in the initial stages. Most of the people, in my opinion, didn't die from this virus. They died from how they were treated, the response that we took, the locking down placed, placed in selective pressure, Darwinian selective pressure, on this mild, these mild viruses. And yes, I, I, I believe that they, we, under, we under, underestimated the evolutionary capacity for them to evolve into more virulent versions. And I believe that's what killed some of our elderly initially. Anyway, I will pick it up next session. Let me, let me end this session telling you that you'll be listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. It plays on iHeartRadio Network. And you can also listen to Media Player from any web browser. All of my uh, talk shows go to um, podcast the following day, and you could hear it on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart. I want to type thank Malcolm and America Out Loud again. Please go to my Substack. It's free. Please subscribe. It's Alexander COVID News. A-L-E-X-A-N-D-E-R COVID News. You can also go to my website, drpaulalexander.com. No caps, no spaces. Thank you. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day, yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. For 40 years, alarmists have been warning of a climate catastrophe, yet none of their dire predictions have come true. Temperatures have not soared, sea level rise has not been unusual, and extreme weather events have not increased in either frequency or intensity. In short, there is no climate emergency. For 15 years, the International Climate Science Coalition has led the call for climate realism and a Made in America climate plan, a plan based on real science that responds to the real world needs of Americans, supports economic growth, and strengthens our essential infrastructure 
a plan that protects the environment and ensures that Americans can enjoy the blessings of clean air, clean land, and clean water for generations to come. It's time to put ideology and pseudoscience aside. It's time for a sensible climate plan. For more information or to donate, visit our website, icsc-climate.com. Hello, welcome back to the Dr. Paul Alexander Liberty Hour. Thank you for joining this uh, this second segment. And um, once again, I want to thank Malcolm. I want to um, thank America Out Loud for allowing me here. And I will just start this session. I want to pick up from what I uh, ended with. But I want to ask you again to, you know, to go to my Substack, Alexander COVID News. And uh, join is for free. I provide uh, this blog every day with my own, uh, with all of the science, etc., and some interpretations of it. And I'll talk a little bit later about um, uh, my book, Presidential Takedown, how Fauci and they uh, work to topple President Trump from on the inside. You could get that book at uh, Amazon and Barnes and Noble. It's called Presidential Takedown. Anyway, I want to continue on what I was talking about earlier. And again, it, it, my thinking has evolved with time, with everything that's happening. And we are trying to make some sense. And I'm talking to some very high-level scientists, researchers and stuff who are heavily worked also in COVID. And um, we're just trying to get, try to, try to understand this and get the right answers. as to what really happened here? And you know, the more you think about it, it's not that it's bizarre. The picture that emerges is, is disturbing frightening because in the end the american people lost lost a lot of lives because of what was done and uh i want to recap quickly <clears throat> my thinking is a uh, lab released uh the question of intentional versus accidental <clears throat> i i don't know if i can lean fully on intentional maybe it's a combination of two um, but even if it was accidental, I would go with that. That's fine um, in the sense of uh, trying to understand what happened. I think it has some links to the 2015 paper that was that was put out by Mina Cherry et al., where they described that they had stitched together um, a spike and a backbone from a horseshoe bat and a mouse to produce a deadly uh, chimeric coronavirus of pandemic potential they wrote that and um that no uh, vaccine that they used or antibodies monoclonal antibodies anything worked and it was uh capable of infecting the upper respiratory cells and um of pandemic potential in humans i think something got loose i think multiple labs i think many labs several labs laboratories were working on coronavirus simultaneously I believe that the United States role has a heavy footprint in this. It's not necessarily come from Wuhan, China, as the only culprit here. And I think that this was circulating for several years before February of 2020. I think that um, it was low, benign, of no major pathological consequence in the sense that um, if you looked at the observed and expected deaths, those curves might have might have uh, lay on top of each other. 
like no excess deaths, no excess mortality, appreciable excess mortality. And I think that um, it was always there. It was circulating so much so that what we did with the RT-PCR test was, I am trying to say that many players were involved in this pandemic. I'm trying to say that it was never a pandemic. You could have maybe called it as an emergency or some kind of crisis or maybe even a heavy flu season in terms of uh, infections, hospitalizations, or death, but not of pandemic level, that we should have never locked the society down or closed schools or masked up the way we did or mandated anything. I felt that the business closures, everything was, was not necessary. In fact, they were wrong. And we knew that they would have caused serious damage to the society, the economy. They would have costed lives. We knew that for every... I believe the data is for every 1% increase in unemployment rate, there's about almost a 1.5% increase in suicides in the society. And we went from 3.4% unemployment under President Trump in January of 2020 to almost 25, 30% by around April, May of 2020 when the lockdowns took full effect. So you have to understand that. Um, how many suicides, thousands of etc. would have would have resulted, deaths, and my point is that again, how I close the the first session is, had we done nothing, had we taken no actions, none of the lockdown lunacy, none of these vaccines, nothing, that we'd have lost far fewer people. It is the actions that we took that caused most of the deaths is my argument. Between the medical management, between the vaccines, between the delayed treatment, because everybody was tossed out of the hospitals and beds only allocated to COVID. The people move far along the disease sequelae and things like heart disease, cancer, diabetes, etc. couldn't get care. And they were dying across time because they couldn't get care. And we will see explosions in cancer because of cancers that went undetected. It's happening now. Together with the fact that the vaccine subverts the immune system and causes cancers to metastasize and relapse cancers to recur, there's impact of the toll receptors, uh, um, toll receptor 7, toll receptor 8. They, it subverts the uh, P53 uh, tumor suppressive uh, Guardian of the genome. Now, listen, what I'm then trying to tell you is this, that in my view, we had something that was circulating that we used the fraud, flawed PCR process. Remember, PCR was never a diagnostic test. It was a process of amplifying DNA. And we knew from the science immediately in 2020, early 2020, that once you cycled over 24 cycles, that you would be detecting viral dust, fragments, and, and coronaviruses. We're talking about all coronavirus that you were infected before. And it is not just infected a few weeks or a month before in 2020. I am arguing that a lot of those positives were coronavirus that you were infected a year, two years before that from this mild influenza-like illness coronavirus that was circulating, or several of them. That's what the PCR test was picking up. 
but not infectious or lethal coronavirus. Because we were cycling at 40 and 45. Anything over 30 amplifications meant non-infectious, non-lethal non -lethal pathogen. So I am trying to argue that what we did with the PCR test, that was partly how they use dark forces, multiple dark forces are involved, who had different agendas, different agendas to damage President Trump and take him out and impact his re-election. And they did. And one of those groups decided to use this thing that was circulating to remove President Trump and to use the mail-in ballots, etc., and affect the presidential election. And they did. Because remember, if the PCR test was so flawed and overcycled with 95% false positives, then it was highly likely that most of the people who we said were positive were not. They were false positive. So we closed society down. We closed schools. Not for viable infectious pathological virus. These people were false positives and should have never been taken out of society. So what I'm trying to say is that here's this thing that's circulating benign. Yet certain players knew that it was loose and circulating for all that time prior. But remember... It was of no consequence. It was not showing up on the radar anywhere. They decided to use this virus that was already existing. In other words, they used the PCR test to create a pandemic, create an emergency, to get emergency powers declared so that they could remove President Trump. That's what they did. And um, what I'm trying to say is that by doing that, using they used the PCR test at the same time. They used the lie of the asymptomatic transmission. They used the lie of the recurrent infection, which we did not find pre-Omicron era. They used the lie about natural immunity being inferior to vaccine immunity. They used the lie of no available treatments. They did all of that. They used the lie that everyone was at equal risk of severe outcome or death if exposed, which was a gross lie, that really hobbled the pandemic response. They used the lie that masks were, were effective when we knew that these masks, blue surgical, white cloth face masks, etc., could have never worked, could have never stopped the respiratory mutating virus. Never. Could never, ever work against a respiratory virus. We knew that. They used all those lies. They knew that this was circulating, but it then detected it officially for the first time in February, March of 2020 with the PCR test. They detected something that was always circulating. That's the point I'm trying to make. It was not novel. It was not new. They knew exactly what they were doing. And I'm trying to make you understand that how is that possible, Paul, that it was circulating and no one no one outside of these quote-unquote dark players knew. Well, you have to think about it this way. Normally, if we had an outbreak investigation, like if there was an outbreak of a foodborne illness or a waterborne illness or, or just some kind of epidemic of some cases that started to show up somewhere and the CDC would send their outbreak investigation, the epidemic team, 
to the location. And 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 one of the principal duties, I know because I was involved in a epidemic response and blah, 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 in a, as an epidemiologist, one of the key issues, one of our key tasks, and I've done this myself, is to derive a case definition. When you get to the spot, when you land there and you, you arrive at the, at the location where, quote unquote, this outbreak or this surge in cases were happening, your job is to conduct, you have to become almost a disease detective and, and become a sleuth. Because what you're doing is you're trying to derive a case definition principally. Because normally, via fax, we would fax out that case definition to all hospitals, clinics, doctors, etc. And what we would do on the scene is, with, with, with the discussions with all of the people who became cases, etc., and, and all of the information we could gather, we would then write out and derive a definition for what makes a case. And that's what we fax it to, to, to doctors saying, you know, look out, be on the lookout for any cases, any people who present to your clinic, to your hospital office, to the emergency room, and they have this listed constellation of symptoms. And you list, you say, for something to be a case, the person must have fever over blah, blah, blah. They must have a headache. They must have at least three bouts of loose diarrhea in this last 24 hours they must have this they must have that and uh and uh these must be included and once these are present then you should des you would designate this as an actual case of this thing that is going around that of course this epidemic or this outbreak we didn't have that in this situation why because i'm saying it was so mild and because it behaved like a coronavirus and likely was and is, one of those those coronavirus that I'm seeing got out and leaked, that it was captured under normal reporting of colds, common colds, or other influenza-like illnesses, or flu, etc. Because this behaved with influenza-like illnesses. You know, runny nose, some fever, headache, cough, blah, blah, blah. So... And it is likely, too, that across time, the couple of years I'm talking about before February of 2020, it did severely impact a few elderly here and there. It did kill elderly because normal common colds do. Normal flu does. It will take down an 85-year-old who is immunocompromised, who is immunosenescent, who has underlying medical conditions. You know that. Your parent or grandparent who's in the old age home, you get word sometimes, sadly, that they pass away. They're in assisted living, whatever. They, they, they had the flu or they got a pneumonia complication secondary to the flu, blah, blah, blah. That happens because that's life. Because a weakened immune system could fall victim to the flu. And I'm trying to argue with you that I believe this is what happened. And it escaped the awareness of the hospitals and doctors because A, there was no case definition and B, it behaved like other flu and common colds. But it was operating all along, but very mild, just like those. So there was no difference. So no one was looking for anything unusual. And as I said in the first segment, the observed and expected deaths, etc., hospitalizations, infections, ICU use, whatever, were not appreciably different from each other. So if you looked at the curves, the graphs, they would actually line up.
So in this session, this the second session, I was trying to make the argument to you that what we did was we detected something that was already circulating, that was already benign and mild, that we were not detecting. It was it was escaping detection because it acted like other coronaviruses, OC43, um, 229E, whatever, that normally circulates, especially seasonally. It behaved like a common cold, like a flu, like a rhinovirus, like a RSV virus, etc. And when it killed elderly, it was just noted on their autopsy or their death certificate. They died from influenza or they died from some sort of respiratory illness. And that's my argument. And my argument is that these people used this virus to create this influenza-like illness, to create a panic, to create a pandemic that never was to help destabilize and remove a president and to make America ungovernable, unmanageable, chaotic and have him out there every day on that podium. Imagine you have an existing president who inherited Biden et al., the same pandemic two years ago and not once did he mount a task force or was made to come out and give daily briefings. Trump was out there every single day. Had he not done that, the media would have crucified him so you have to understand the disparity and the filth that was done to President Trump. Think about what I just said. Trump had to have a testing czar, a task force made up of all of these lunatics, these clunker lunatics who subverted him, save Brett Girard, quasi-Redfield. The rest of them are lunatics to me, inept people. Okay, let me close off this session. I'll continue again, the third session. I want to remind you, thanks for... So listen to America Out Loud. I want to tell you, please don't forget my substack, Alexander COVID News, A-L-E-X-A-N-D-E-R, Space COVID Space News. It's free. I put everything there and uh, I explain a lot of the science. Look, I also support a company called the Wellness Company Health. That's TWC.health. And go there. You can find access to uncensored content, medical doctors who could give you virtual appointments, um, prescriptions, etc., and fill them extensive treatment packages. Remember, twc.health, a range of nutraceuticals. Thank you. America Out Loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. Well, we know you because we are you. AmericaOutloud.com. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. We wouldn't go a day without washing our hands, brushing our teeth, and washing our nose. Well, wait, we wash our nose? Yes, the number one place where bacteria, viruses, and pollen enter the body is through the nose. So the average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for bacteria, viruses, and irritants to get into your nose and make you sick. For an extra layer of protection, wash your nose with Clear. That is Clear, X-L-E-A-R. Clear's drug-free nasal spray features xylitol, an ingredient proven to block adhesion of many nasty bacteria and viruses, and effectively clean, not just rinse like a saline, but wash your nose. 
Clear nasal spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. Read the research studies for yourself at clear.com. That's X-L-E-A-R.com. Protect yourself from the pathogens and junk you breathe. Pick up a bottle for you and your family today. Thank you again for tuning in to Dr. Paul Alexander Liberty Hour on America Out Loud Radio Network. Um, this is a third session, and I want to touch on several studies and uh, some key some issues that I'm talking about. I want to thank Malcolm again for all of his uh, work and his uh, guidance and his graciousness to allow us onto the show. Remember, this is America Out Loud Talk Radio. Please on iHeartRadio Network, and you can listen on your our media player from any browser anywhere in the world. And my shows go to podcasts. My talk shows go to podcasts the following day. Um, I wanted to finish off what I was speaking about, which was my view in the first two sessions that this was a benign low-level virus, influenza-like illness, likely coronavirus, that got out a couple of years even before February 2020. I'm arguing several labs, not one. I'm arguing U.S. heavy footprint lab. I'm arguing that um, we didn't have a case definition and it escaped awareness and was captured on the common colds or influenza across those two years. Yes, it might have killed some elderly, uh, vulnerable persons, high-risk people, as common colds and influenza-like illnesses, flu does. I'm arguing that uh, many different factions or groups decided to use this virus that was already always circulating. And they knew, people in the intelligence community, deep state, etc., they knew this was around. And bad people decided to, to use it for different reasons, to make money, like pharma, etc., um, greed, power, to take power from the public, but to topple President Trump. Bad people decided to use it to topple remove President Trump and affect his presidential re-elections in November of 2020. I believe there is some, there was bad corruption in terms of the vote, but I also believe that lockdowns, etc., played a role. Um, I want to also tell you that, um, remember, we are the mercy of the spike protein. We are the mercy from the spike protein from this from the virus as well as the vaccine, the mRNA gene injection or the DNA platform. But the point I'm making to you is that why did I go through the explanation in the first two sessions? Because I'm getting to a point, which is that this was never a pandemic. We were never to lockdown. We could have handled this without any lockdowns. In other words, had we done nothing, had we just isolated the unwell, the sick persons in our society, which is the normal actions that we take. Isolate only six symptomatic people. We look at the vulnerable people and we strongly protect them. We take steps to protect them and we let the vast majority of society live free and fettered lives. That's what we should have done, using a focused protection where we target any kind of controls to high-risk persons only, which is the vulnerable, elderly, etc. But no lockdowns, no school closures, no mass mandates, no business closures, nothing. The only people who were to be isolated 
to, to be separated from the rest of society were sick, unwell people who were symptomatic. The same way you, you only test sick, unwell people with strong clinical suspicion. You only isolate or quarantine sick people. Never the border that you isolate well people. Never. Everything that they did was wrong. I'm trying to say that in the end, the lockdowns were never needed and the vaccines never worked. I want you to listen to what I'm saying. It's not just now that we're seeing adverse effects. I am telling you like harms and deaths from the vaccine. I am saying that the COVID mRNA gene injections or the DNA platform, but particularly the mRNA from Pfizer and Moderna, never worked. Never. We have no evidence that they ever worked. Not in the clinical trials that were done, not in even anecdotal. No one can prove to me or show me that these vaccines work. I am arguing that any recovery from people had to do with their own bodies, their own natural immunity, their own immune systems, dealing with this pathogen. Not these vaccines. They never worked. Nothing was needed. Zero. I'm bringing into question every single thing was, that was done. I'm trying to tell you that the nature of this influenza-like illness, nothing was needed and nothing worked. Anything you could think about that was needed, that was brought, should not have been. In other words, the public would have gotten through this on their own. Between infants, young children, children, young teenagers, young adults, everyone. And if this pathogen, this influenza-like illness was to take anyone, some people call it low-hanging fruit. I will not use that term here. But you understand what I'm saying. Highly vulnerable individuals, high-risk, elderly, with underlying medical conditions. That's something that we can't do anything about because of immunosenescence and the consequence of aging. That is what we've lived with in a free society and accepted. It is what we did in response to this non-pandemic. Non-pandemic. It is the lockdowns that placed pressure on the pathogen that even drove it into more virulent versions. It is the school closures, etc. that placed pressure on the pathogen to evolve. Had we left it alone, it would not have. It would have gone into an endemic state and petered away like normal epidemics and pan pandemics and infection surges, etc. Had we not brought this vaccine, we'd have not placed pressure and dr dr driven the emergence of more infectious variants. We've taken a non-issue and made a catastrophe with it. I'm trying to say that nothing worked and nothing was needed. Nothing. Zero. I want to tell you that um, because of the vaccine, though, the vaccine itself is driving the production. In other words, I'm trying to say that we've caused your body, all of the cells in our bodies, 24-7 to produce spike protein that was never there and was never supposed to be there. And I'm trying to say that the spike protein is causing a lot of these long COVID symptoms and we need some sort of spike recovery. And turns out, some sort of way to detoxify your blood. We're having a lot of discussions right now about the potential to have a blood bank, an unvaccinated blood bank. There are a lot of challenges with that, of course, how to manage your blood, etc. If we 
I mean, theoretically, at a 50,000-foot level, if we implemented that today, we'd probably, 80 to 90% of the blood would be, um, we wouldn't be able to access because 80 to 90%, 80%, 70% of the population vaccinated. So you're going to say we have, we're not going to use 70% of the blood. That's going to be a problem and raises a lot of issues. But anyway, the point is, We'll figure this out on how to get the spike out to the blood. Maybe some sort of baffling system. Maybe um some some of us even said, you know, is there a way that we could pass vaccinated blood through some sort of gating system where we have um antibodies, molecular the protein, the antibodies embedded into the into the sleuth or gate system. So that as the vaccinated blood with spike flows past, the antibodies will be activated and bind, bind the spike etc and pull them out it, it it's you know pull it out of the blood it's a very important issue but what i'm saying is if you go to the wellness company i spoke about it before the wellness company twc.health but there's a particular link i'm going to read it out and spell it twice for you if you can if you can write it on and go there there's the option to get a particular product called Spike Recovery that they have formulated. Dr. Peter McCullough has signed off on it and has advertised, etc. Um, the company, the pharmacist, the doctors have all uh, stood behind the product. I myself, it's called uh, Spike Recovery, and you can go to the to the website link and you can uh, you can read about it and make a decision if you wanna include this because it is supposed to provide immune support, but particularly help in some manner detoxify the blood and get the spike, um, mitigate the effects of the spike protein. Go to https colon forward slash forward slash www.t as in Tom, w as in uh, woman, c as in Charlie, dot health forward slash collections forward slash COVID-19 no uh, hyphen forward slash products forward slash long hyphen hall h-a-u-l hyphen formula f-o-r-m-u-l-a question mark r-e-f equal sign capital p-a-u-l so i'm going to do it again go to h-t-t-p-s colon forward slash forward slash www dot T as in Tom, W as in White, C as in Charlie, dot health, forward slash, collections, that's C-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-O-N-S, forward slash, COVID-19, no hyphen, just COVID-19, forward slash, products, P-R-O-D-U-C-T-S, forward slash, long, L-O-N-G, hyphen, hall, H-A-U-L, hyphen, Formula, F-O-R-M-U-L-A, question mark, ref, R-E-F, an equal sign, and capital P-A-U-L. Look, check it out and see if it's something you're interested in. I want to talk about a situation where um, a uh, <clears throat> recent discussion we're having on a study that showed that over 270 athletes and former American athletes have died from cardiac arrest and serious issues from taking the mRNA uh, COVID-19 gene injections. And there was a study by Polycretis, 
P-O-L-Y-K-R-E-T-I-S and McCullough. Um, Polycrates, Panagis Polycrates is a structural biologist. And um, he worked at McCullough to look at it, this situation. And what they're finding is that um, we're looking at the global data show that in 2021 and 2022, former and current American athletes comprise 279 of the mortalities, the deaths. And um, the reality is that the, these gene injection shots, these COVID shots, sets the heart up for inflammation and the adrenaline triggers injury and death. What we're trying to talk about is the COVID gene injection causes vaccine-induced myocarditis, which is scarring of the heart's myocardium, the muscle. <clears throat> and, the, and the heart cells are not replaceable. And this scarring is there and the electrical conduction around the heart is disturbed. And uh, the heart doesn't work normally after that. And the myocarditis is often, myocarditis and pericarditis is often silent. And um, <clears throat> what we are seeing with this scarred heart, uh, when you do physical activity and exercise and the adrenaline floods the blood system, um, it bathes this myocardially scarred heart uh, with the adrenaline. This puts strain on the heart and that's where the heart beats erratically with arrhythmias, etc ventricular tachycardia and uh, cardiac arrest, and you can die. And um, that paper by Polycrates and McCullough uh, shows a sharp rise in, in athletic deaths uh, since vaccination. The reality is the research has shown that since vaccination, 1,600 athletes globally have suffered cardiac arrest since we started this vaccine. Top-level athletes, of which 1,100 of them had deadly outcomes. So of 1,600 cardiac arrests playing sports across the world since this vaccine started, two years now, 1,100 of them died. The issue is when we look at the data from 1966 to 2004, for the 38 years prior, let's say that period, for a 38-year period prior, we also see 1,100 athletes died. So in other words, the number of high-level athletes who've died since the vaccine has come out, a year and a half to two, equals the amount of athletes who have died on the field for 38 to 40 years prior. It's a very serious consideration. And I am begging parents that you must not, parents must not allow their, their sons and even their daughters, don't think this is just a male issue, because we were told before that it's from the science that it was a male nine to one ratio of every 10 myocarditis, nine were male, one was female, roughly between the ages of 16 to 28, 29 or so. But we are also seeing, I saw a study out of Basel, Switzerland by Mueller et al. that shows that about 30 to 40% of the females had myocardial lesions. Much, it was very, very surprising. And uh, the girls in that study, the females had a greater challenge than even the males. What I'm trying to say is no parents should let their teen child, son or daughter. Yes, I know you would look at the sons, but son or daughter, go on to the playing field unless you rule out myocarditis. That's silent myocarditis because myocarditis is often asymptomatic and silent. And if you're a healthy-looking son <clears throat> that has silent myocarditis because he took that shot and you never did a troponin test to see if there's any kind of my uh, heart damage, etc., because of the shots, if you didn't do a, a like the high sensitivity to troponin, if you didn't do a, a gadolinum 
uh, chest, gadolinum contrast, chest MRI, uh, if you didn't do EKG, etc. If you didn't do what was needed to rule out myocarditis with the doctor, your child, teen, can go onto that field and with an adrenaline surge, they can die. And this is why we're seeing some of them actually dying. And this is why we're concerned about what's happening in the cockpit of our planes. I am arguing, Dr. Roger Hodgkinson, etc. We are seeing that any minute now, one or two large commercial planes with three, four hundred people will fall from the sky. We have pilots now who are reporting heart pains, chest pains, and and uh, cardiac arrest just before the flight or right now after the flight. And some have died in flight and in in some different aircraft. And thank God for the co-pilot etc and they were able to get a plane on the floor some of these deaths have happened soon after the plane landed and it has to do with the fact that once a pilot with silent myocarditis gets um <clears throat> that adrenaline surge with any kind of stressful situation like landing the plane let's say the the um the, the turbulence was heavy because of heavy clouds or whatever that adrenaline on a scarred strained heart is enough to cause the myocarditis and the death so it's very important that our pilots exclude silent myocarditis before they are allowed to fly. And the FDA just changed the electrical, electrical conduction threshold from 200 uh, MS to 300 MS. That opens the range for um, put, potentially uh, suboptimal pilots to fly that would not, not normally meet the threshold post-vaccine. This is a very serious issue. I want you to pay attention to it. Make sure you exclude your son from taking the field. Do not let them take the field unless no vaccine or you rule out myocarditis. The same way with Damar Hamlin, the Buffalo Bills player. Up to today, we argue that was, that was silent myocarditis, vaccine-induced. And until they have told us that he had no vaccine or no myocarditis, we think that it is silent myocarditis from vaccine. Anyway, let me close off this session. You will listen to America Out Loud. Please, I thank Malcolm. Please go to my Substack, Alexander COVID News. Please consider my book, Presidential Takedown. And you could support me at Zell if you want at sr7283 at gmail.com.